Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Blush You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories, and we get to dish on them. I'm your co-host, Callie, and I'm with your girl, Elise. Hello. Hi. (laughs) We're back. We're back. We're back. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm a little hungry, but had my scoop of peanut butter, so we're going to rock and roll, which Elise says is not substantial. (laughs) I know. It's so funny. Do you like almond butter or just peanut butter? I mean, I'm too cheap for almond butter. It's like $8, whereas peanut butter is like $4. So like the cheap girl in me is like, eh, peanut butter. And then I keep hearing that like almond shit's bad for the environment. So I'm like, fuck it. Peanut butter tastes great. Way better. And the Trader Joe's one, it's like, I'm pretty sure it's like just peanuts. Like there's nothing else to it. Yeah. Is that possible? I don't really know how peanut butter is made. I like never got on the almond train and I never got on the cauliflower train. Like I honestly like. Cauliflower's for the birds. So nasty. I, 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 do you have 60 vines? Have you ever been to 60 vines, the restaurant? Mm -mm. Okay. They have one in, um, I think they have one in Arizona and they also have one in Dallas. And I went there, um, this past weekend for like a little girl's night. And I ordered like a side of cauliflower. Cause I was like, hadn't had any vegetables that day. I was trying to be good. And it, they brought me a whole fucking head of cauliflower that had been roasted with a knife, like in the top of it. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like carve a fucking pumpkin. Like it was like, not you look like a brain it did it literally they it was just the whole head but it was huge and it was fire roasted and they stabbed a knife in the top of it and I was like is this one of those things where someone comes to the table and like makes your guac or like cuts your cauliflower because I'm not sure what to do with this no apparently this is like med school 101 and (laughs) you're day one you're carving a brain so that you eat yeah I'm happy Halloween yeah I ended up just like taking bites out of it instead of cutting it because it was not it it, it, I was just getting frustrated with it. Not that that's related to this podcast at all, but it just popped in my head and my thoughts yeah. were random. So boo, boo almonds, boo cauliflower. Yay. Peanut butter is where, <laughs> is where we're at. Okay. Let's dump out of this because we're going to go down a train that no one wants us to go down. <laughs> so Elise, I want to hear about your sparkle. It's sparkle time. Sparkle time. So last week we talked about Desperate Daughter and she, it was a whole living situation where she was supposed to live with her mom. And it really got me thinking because for those of you that don't know, my husband and I are living with my parents and their two dogs and our two dogs. And I am so grateful and very blessed because if it weren't for them, I don't know where we would be be living living in a van down by the river. We would be living in a van or moving to California and telling Callie and Andrew, hello, we are here. (laughs) Um, But it's just very interesting because like just the whole family dynamic. So it's, I don't know. It's just very interesting to like be back and feel like a child again. I don't know. I have a very traditional relationship with both of my parents. And so it's just very interesting to feel like, like even Carl and I were talking yesterday and we were like, doesn't it feel like we're like roommates in my parents' house? Because Carl and I are sleeping in separate beds also because they have uh, their, both of their guest rooms have full size beds and Carl's like literally six, five and 240 pounds. And we sleep with our two dogs and I'm like value my sleep more than 
intimacy with my husband. <laughs> okay, now you're, now you're talking. So yeah, it's just interesting. I don't even know if this is turning into a sparkle, but I am very blessed and grateful to have them. But it's just very interesting to like feel kind of like a kid again and like be back in the dynamics of my family. Does that make sense? It does. Environments are super powerful. I will never forget in graduate school. I don't know if you were, I don't even remember what class this was, but we were talking about addiction, which is not my forte at all, but I will never forget this. And apparently whenever, you know, someone who is in recovery has gone through a program or they've, you know, they're in a halfway house or whatever it is, the most important thing for them to monitor is their environment. Because if they are ever dumped back in the place where they were when they were using, um, it's the easiest trigger to fall back into those habits. Even if it's like five years later, it's like environment has such a profound effect on our brains, which I was like, wait, what? I mean, this can be applied to everything, including the holidays coming up. You know, if anyone is going to see their family, I know a lot of us really don't have that luxury this year because of COVID. Thank you. Thank you, Corona. But you know, in, in previous holidays, even just like visiting with my parents, I've noticed, um, environments can be really triggering. I am so lucky. So Elise and I are from the same hometown and I consider myself blessed that, well, not that my parents aren't together anymore. Boo-hoo. That was sad, but that at least they don't live in the same house anymore. Like the house where I went to like high school, where I lived in, in high school. Oh my God. I don't even know what type of person I would turn into if I moved back there. So girl, the fact that you are like still a full functioning adult living in the, cause I'm assuming you went to high Did you go to high school when you were in that house? No. So they, they, my okay. parents like to stay in a house for a little bit and then sell it, build a different house. Like my mom loves to like design and um, do like, that's fun. Okay. Well then at least it's not your high school home. I think that's a silver lining. Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, Which is interesting because someone in, this is unrelated of course, because they go on a million tangents, but someone that I met in my grad school program was actually her and her husband and her family were living in the house that I grew up in. in Oh, that's weird. Isn't that weird? She, we were like, talking and I was like what did you do this weekend she's like oh I was like grapevine lake I was like oh I used to live close to there she's like oh where I'm like oh this neighborhood she's like I live in that neighborhood I'm like oh this street she's like I live in this street I'm like this house she's like I live in this house I'm like this is creepy so so creepy oh I wonder if she acts like high school at least I'm just kidding but I mean the, the point is that environments are so impactful which yes is a little sparkle for all of you listening. Think about how your environments affect you. Are there certain triggers that your environments bring up? It's yeah. interesting to note once you're aware of it. So Elise is very triggered. Yes. And it's also just like not having your own space, you know, and not feeling like I, you know, like I have to like think of other people before I do shit, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. it's, but, nice, but it's, we're surviving. Yeah. Sparkle is that, you know, your parents let you do that. <laughs> I know. Thank you, mom and dad. I love you. What's yours? Okay. So my sparkle. So my is a little, I wouldn't say like my sparkle is related to necessarily this week. My sparkle is related to like the past million years, but I've talked a lot about on this podcast, how I am pretty introverted and I definitely have my superpowers. So this isn't me putting myself down, but 
as an entrepreneur, I feel like I'm expected to do everything. And it's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. Like if you're a solopreneur listening to this, think about that you have to be your own PR person. You have to be your own admin secretary, administrative assistant. You have to be the one creating content. You have to be the one organize everything. You have to be the one strategizing. Like you, like, and then think about a business and think about how many jobs within those branches that I just mentioned, I didn't even get to all of them. How many like different types of people work in those branches? Like, but you're expected to have your brain wired to be all of those things, Mm -hmm. which frankly is just impossible. Like, I don't understand how someone can be a genius creating content and then also on the phone all day creating deals. Like to me, those are just like such different processes. So I've always been very keenly aware of my limitations and I beat myself up a lot about it because I'm I'm like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing this, but I don't want to. And if I don't want to be doing all these things and what's the fricking point of owning a business where the whole point, right, is to be able to do what you want to do. So I've just been this internal battle. But then I was introduced to the concept of, I don't have to be all things because Elise can be all the things that I'm not. You guys, it's amazing. So it's so great. Just this week alone, Elise has done so much for blush that like would actually make me break out into hives. Like talking to people I don't want to fucking talk to, reaching out to people I don't want to reach out to, coming up with these plans that I don't even want to think about. And like, she does it and she's having fun. And I'm like, wait, why haven't I done this for years? Like, it feels so good to not feel guilty anymore. It feels so good to be like, okay, I can empower someone else to do what they're good at. And it's totally fine that I'm not good at those things. It's so great. I'm like teary eyed because (laughs) I love it. Today's my sparkle. I That's what my sparkle was before we came on. I was like, shut up. None of your business. <laughs> oh, Callie, I love you. I like can't. I just, it's so cool being able to, I mean, if I'm being real, I always like said that I was going to college to like get an MRS degree. Like I was like, I'm just going to like be a wife and like clean the house and cook meals and whatever, be a stay at home mom. And I never, ever, ever thought in a million years that I would find a job that I like actually fucking love. Like I get excited. I'm like, when I wake up in the morning, I'm literally like, ah, it's this quiet today. You know, like I just get so pumped. I love what I do. And like, I couldn't have done it without you. Oh, so good. It's so crazy to me that you went into college with the mentality of an MRS degree because I was like, oh my God, just the opposite. I was always strategizing about how am I going to be the biggest success story? And it's like, who was I even doing that for? I, I took the LSAT, ladies and gentlemen. Like, please let that sink in. Yes, I was going to be a lawyer, which the funny thing is, Andrew, so my husband was a lawyer for a little bit. He is now retired and is in entertainment. And his career journey is a podcast in and of itself. But he always actually tells me to this day, he's like, no, you'd be an excellent lawyer. You just would have hated every second, but you don't, you don't get up. Like you start something and you don't stop until it's finished. And that's what a lawyer has to do. And they have to be diligent and do it. And he's like, you just would have hated your life, but you would have been amazing at it. And I'm like, that is the saddest thing you've ever said to me. I'm like, that is so pathetic. Like like my whole wiring was like, how can I succeed? You know? And then I, anyway, blush was definitely born out of wanting to succeed, but also feeling like I was failing and not really realizing that 
it's very tough to be a person who really wants to succeed and not being like super, super talented. And I'm not trying to say that I'm like not talented, but like, I'm never the smartest person in the room. It's not like I would call myself brilliant. I normally spend my days Googling how to spell certain words. <laughs> and it's, it's a tough place to be in. And then of course, being introverted and not wanting to be wheeling and dealing and really just not wanting to talk to anyone. And so again, back to my sparkle, having Elise be like, girl, I can do all these things and I can do it in my sleep and I'll tap dance backwards at the same time. <laughs> Sleepwalking and tap dancing all at the same time while she's making deals. It's so fun to watch and it's just such a thorn out of my butt that I don't have to deal with this anymore. We make a good team. We really yeah. do. I, I tell that to, it's, it's so funny because like everyone in my family is like shook that I'm like, you know, like kind of hustling. Like I'm like loving kind it. of hustling. Okay. For, let me state for the record, definitely hustling. <laughs> well, I've never, never hustled before in my entire life. So this is the first time ever. And I'm fucking loving it, but it's except for she's learning that people are mean. <laughs> it's so <laughs> sad to witness. Like, Oh yeah. People suck. You didn't know that. I know. I like text Callie. I'm like, um, is this like a thing? She's like, Oh yeah. Welcome to that's life. a thing. That's a thing. Just uh, ignore uh, unsubscribe. Yeah. It's just so funny because even yesterday, like the cable people came over and I was like in the other room and like, I like need it. They were going to put down the Wi-Fi for a bit. And I was like, uh, I have clients who can't do that. And they were like, Oh, like what asking my dad, like, what does your daughter do? And he was like, she's not, um, a psychiatrist because she's not a doctor. Um, but Thank she, you. she talks to a lot of people and then he goes, um, she makes people happy and they have someone from Harvard on their team. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Shout out to Catherine. <laughs> hey, Catherine. This is so funny. And he was like, oh, and she did a thing for um, Oxford. It's like my dad's just like, I'm like, hey, you dropped a name over there. Do you need to go pick it up? Like, <laughs> she did a thing for Oxford. It is true. Lisa and I were guest speakers for the Oxford Guild, which was um, our feedback that we got. And I quote was, you guys were very American. And I was like, thank you. I know that was not a compliment, but thank you. No, I literally was like, what does that even mean? Like, oh, it means we were annoying is what that means. It means that we were too much for some of those stuffy English people. But you know what? I'm sure some of them loved us. And you know what? We loved them, even if they yeah. didn't love us. We were probably a breath of fresh air for everybody. Everybody needs like a little like Pep and like, hi, you know. I I agree. And even though I am the rain cloud with the rainbow, and Elise is the sunshine, it was still too much for them. But you know what? Can't please them all. So, to in summation, my sparkle to anyone listening is that if you feel like you need to be all things and you cannot get out of the cycle of beating yourself up and thinking that your brain needs to be configured in a million different directions in order to succeed, might I suggest teaming up with someone else and giving yourself a break and finding that into your yang and let it like it's also a win-win because you let yourself off the hook but then you let someone else have the opportunity to shine and thrive little miss emma rs degree is over here killing it and running circles around everyone and like she didn't think she was gonna get that opportunity which is just insane to me that that was your mindset like i i mean it's honestly mind-boggling so i'm like you didn't know that you 
were like had that much to offer. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not that being a wife and a mother is not a lot to offer. I'm just shocked because you're so really good for, for all of this. You're good at building relationships, at building connections, at, you know, selling yourself. And that is what business is. That, that's it. That's all it is. And I, as it turns out, am not good at business. So, but again, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. Oh, so, well, I love you. Thank you for that. That really like boosted my confidence today. Okay, good, good. Okay. Now that we are all feeling good and off the hook and confident, let's move into today's story. Yes. I don't, I actually don't think that this one was, uh, like signed by anyone. It just ended help. So we can make, (laughs) we can can, wait, we can just call, we can call her help. 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 Okay. From help. (laughs) From help. Dear Blush, I am newly married to the love of my life. I met my husband in college and we immediately hit it off. Both of us have had traumatic pasts. My mom passed away suddenly when I was in college and my husband's cousin, who he was extremely close with, passed away while we were both in college. Needless to say, neither of us wanted to hold off on starting our lives together. Most of our friends are still single, single, but we don't mind. We both painfully know that our time on earth is limited. And we don't want to waste a second of it. My husband's family lives in another state than where we went to college. And both of us want to stay where we are. We have finally saved up enough money for a down payment on a house. And my husband and I are both extremely excited to begin putting down offers. Plus, my husband and I are going to be starting a family soon. Ideally, we would feel settled if or when I become pregnant. Every time we talk about this, we're on the same page. However, every time my husband talks to his parents about our decision to buy a house, they try to convince him that it's a bad idea. They're pretty open about us wanting to move back to his home state where they still reside, but haven't lost hope that we will. Blush. Neither my husband nor I want to move back to his home state. We talk about this openly and honestly. So my question is, why does this keep happening? How can I convince my husband to keep his parents out of our family decisions? The stress of dealing with his parents undoing all of the communication and decisions we've made together is exhausting. From help. (laughs) From help. (laughs) Man. Yeah, I'm going to have to stop saying that in a high-pitched tone or else this podcast is going to be annoying. So first, okay, honestly, normally I would be like, okay, boundaries. Let's talk about boundaries. But I am really fascinated with people who meet their future spouses at a young age, like Mm -hmm. genuinely intrigued. I think it's because the majority of my college friends met, like most of them met their spouse when they were 18. And I get, I mean, technically I did meet Andrew when I was 18 too, but like we, we did not date. So, I mean, we were just like barely friends if that ran in the same circle of like nerdy student government people. Hell yeah. But anyway, so I find it interesting because I always tell people that you're totally screwed if you meet the love of your life when you're 18, because your brain isn't even close to be done developing. And like, there's just so much going on. Um, but, but at the same time, the trade-off is of course you get these like incredible memories and you're on the same page for so many things. They're like, don't get me wrong. Everyone understands the benefits of meeting the love. Of you. you also get to spend more time, right? You know, theoretically with someone, if you meet them at a younger age. So my point being is you guys are young. 
right? So this whole like boundary setting and figuring out how to create a defined family of origin and all of this, that is a big task. And it sounds like you're taking it on at a really young age. I mean, I would imagine this letter writer is what, 23, 24 at the oldest because they're talking about moving and it sounds like they just graduated from college. Mm -hmm. um, like 24 is probably pushing it. I mean, that is young, right? Talking about, and I, and I know people have been getting married at younger, young ages in the past, but you know, the average age I think for getting married right now is like what, 27, 28? Yeah. It's getting older and older every single year. So you're taking on a big task at, again, at a young age. Um, so that's one thing to say, which, which is to say, like, kind of give, get, I honestly cut him a little bit of slack and like, hopefully he can cut you some slack because again, like this is a huge task and you're very young to start it. The second thing that jumped out is, you know, help, <laughs> help letter writer. Your mom passed away, which makes me think, you know, that was a huge source. I mean, I mean, I, I am assuming here, but most mothers act as a guiding light. They are someone that you call when you're not sure what to do. You ask them for advice. They help you solve your problems and you lost yours, which is just absolutely traumatic. And while your husband went through a traumatic experience too, losing a cousin, especially someone that you're so close with, especially, um, you know, presumably maybe someone who is younger is also traumatic. It's not quite the same. Mm -hmm. And I say that because you're probably used to not leaning on your parents at this point for big decisions. You unfortunately had to deal with figuring things out on your own with the loss of your mother. He did not. So he still has his parents in the picture. And I'm here to tell you that it is, everyone has their own pace. Everyone has their own journey for becoming an individual outside of the dynamic with your parents. Like, you know, Elise talking about the dynamic with her parents today. Like, she, you know what I mean? Like she's got her own journey with how to create separateness from her mom and dad. Like it's a never ending thing, but for you, it was triggered at a younger age. So I can see how you might be looking at your husband like he has two heads <laughs> when he's taking in this advice from his parents when you're like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's like, well, unfortunately you don't have that luxury, which sucks. It sucks for you. And I could see how that would bring up anger, right? Br even bring up some anger when you're like, wait, what the hell? Like, I thought we were in this together, but he's not quite where you are in that differentiation journey. Is That's what I'm getting from this. Elise, what do you think? Which honestly, I feel like that's a really parallel process for Carl and I too, right? Like, I feel like I sometimes still feel like a child. I feel like I'm just now like spreading my wings and like becoming an adult. And like, I have a car payment now. Like what? Like I, it's like really a whole new wave of life. And for Carl, like he's been on his own since he was 15. Like when we met and I was like, he was like, Oh, are you doing your taxes? I'm like, wait, like, I have to do those. Like my, my dad's not doing those this year. Like, you know, it's just, just funny because two totally different experiences. And I feel like that's kind of a parallel here too, because like you said, you know, help our writer, you know, she probably had to mature very quickly with the loss of her mother and kind mm -hmm. of figure out how to do life on your own. And, you mm -hmm. know, 
with her husband still having both of his parents in his life, like my parents hold huge influence on my life still, you know? And so it's very much, even I've worked through this in therapy. Like I am now at this stage where I'm married and Carl and I are our own separate family unit completely separated from my family of origin. And that's like a totally new concept for me. And like, even, I mean, even our decision to move to Houston, which we're not anymore, but to do that, like, I was like, no, like my parents won't want us to go. Like, I want to be close to them. And Carl's like, we have to have like a season and chapter of our lives where we like figure it the fuck out on our own. And I was like, damn, like, you're right. But that's just a foreign was just a foreign concept for me. So I wonder how much that's at play too, is just like, maybe they're on different, like, I don't know what the, like different stages in yeah, their- Different phases of it. Different phases. And I, I completely, I completely agree, especially because she, unfortunately, it sounds like it was taken away from her, right? She, we don't know how she would be interacting with her mom right now about this big decision. Um, but yeah, I mean, what you said too, I mean, it's, it's funny, Elise and I have kind of shared notes on our marriages and my husband is, it's the same. He was very much on his own from a young age. His, his mom also passed away. Um, but she had been kind of in and out of his life regardless beforehand. Um, you know, addiction is, is awful. Like addiction is just horrible. And so, you know, he was, he was dealing with that and, and his dad is still with us and very much a part of his life, but something changes, right? Something changes. Addiction changes the family. Premature death changes the family. And he learned at a very early age, if he wanted to make anything happen for him, it was going to come from him. He researched the scholarships that he needed to get in order to go to college, right? He has been filing his taxes. Oh my gosh, there's, I mean, it's an even crazier story. I'm not going to get into the details for his own privacy, but there was, you know, debt that was accumulated under his name that he did not do himself. He didn't even know he had credit cards, right? So he had to go find a lawyer. He had to go figure out how to get his credit score from freaking 400 to, his credit score is higher than mine now. <laughs> okay, I missed a payment, but you know what? It wasn't on <laughs> auto pay and that's bullshit that they penalize you for seven years. So uh, other sparkle is please put your credit card payments on auto pay. Jesus. But anyway, I mean, he was an adult when I was very much still a child and learning from him was one of the most pivotal things because, you know, my parents got divorced. I've talked about this a lot. Um, when I was, you know, form, you know, 18, 19, I can't remember the exact year, but that kind of forced me to have to start taking responsibility for myself. But I am still to this day, I'm very reliant on my parents. I mean, my mom helps me. She's an accountant. She's pretty much acting CFO of Blush right now. You know, my dad has, helps me in every way, shape or form gave the initial investment I needed for blush. So like I am privileged as fuck and very much rely on my parents for a lot. But, and I, so that's, I think that's what's happening right now. I think both Elise and I are very much sympathizing with the husband because we know what it's like to rely and trust and take our parents' advice so seriously. But, you know, and, and I think this husband's going to do a lot of growing because of the letter writer. Cause I know, I know Andrew without Andrew, I just, I don't know. Part of me is a little nervous that I would have stayed a little stunted, right? I wouldn't have totally been brave enough to maybe leave the nest and go do things. And, and moving to Los Angeles was a huge part of my self-differentiation was creating that space. Not that I needed it. I love my mom. I love my dad. There's no unhealthy vibes there. It's just, 
you got to have some separation in order to take the next step. Yeah. You got to spread your wings and fly. And I agree. I think without like Carl really challenged me in that way to like, mm-hmm. be like, you know, that, I mean, unfortunately our parents don't live forever, you know? Mm-hmm. So like at one point you're going to have to be a big, do your taxes, be a big, be a big girl. And you know, and it's cool because I've been in relationships in the past where my ex-boyfriend before Carl, like it, I was shamed for that. And Carl really took it as an opportunity to like, Hey, okay, let me teach you these things. So like you can grow and you can be a big girl. We can adult together and like start our own life together, which is really cool. But I totally get kind of like, you're kind of teeter totter. What, what is that? Teeter? Sure. Teeter tottering. We can also make up our own words here. Okay. We're teeter tottering between like, you have one foot in like the dynamic of still being a child in your family of origin, family dynamic, and then one Mm -hmm. foot in kind of like, now you're a husband and you're a wife and you're Mm -hmm. have this new dynamic that you get to create on your own. And it's like- At a young age, by the way, for this letter writer, right? I mean, at a young, young age. I mean, I think I moved to LA when I was 25. So to be honest, damn, I was young. I'm like, looking back on this, I'm like, shit, I think I was- I think it was 26, but that's still, I mean, that's, that's young to an extent. I mean, but not Carl and Andrew young, Carl and Andrew, we're talking teens, right? We're talking, we're, we're, that's young to, to just be forced into this. But the point is, is that y'all are just at the beginning of this help, help. You're just at the beginning of this. This will probably be a lifelong thing. If your husband is very close with his family and what we haven't even dipped our toe into is these responses from his parents are inappropriate. I mean, obviously they want their son to move back to wherever they're living right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, parents who have a healthy separation from their children know that they ideally would be encouraging their child to figure it out, their child to do what's best for his new family. And I'm sure again, getting married at a young age can be jarring for, for families that weren't ready for that. So I'm sure they're like, Oh, we don't trust you guys to figure it out. Come back, come back, come back. So to go back to the point of the matter, I mean, I I think another good example, I, I don't know. I, Jenna, one of our coaches the other day came up with this term that it's called perspectives, not directives. And I loved that because she was basically saying, you know, it's fine to go out and solicit advice from other people. It's okay for your husband to be talking to his family about this. Okay. Just because you're hearing what you don't want to hear doesn't mean you shouldn't tell them anything. It's totally fine to get altering opinions. Even if I don't agree with these opinions, nor do I think they're really healthy coming from his family. That's neither here nor there. But the point is that your husband's going to need to learn how to use that muscle of taking, you know, contradicting opinions to his own and realizing they are perspectives and not directives. You Mm. don't have to act on them. It's just a perspective. And by the way, when you're making a decision to purchase a house, that is a really big decision. It's not the worst thing in the world to think about all of the options on the table. It's not the worst thing in the world to have weekly conversations about what it would look like to move back to another state or to maybe change your mind and maybe rent for a little bit and maybe not buy a house. Like there is, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? Oh, I hate that phrase, but I, I hate all the time. It's so gross. Why did I just say that? But, but there are, there are many options available to you and 
you know, it's okay to investigate, to be super sure that purchasing a house in the city where you live is what you guys want to do. Um, and so I think help, I would encourage you to maybe be a little less defensive, a little less reactive and kind of come into this with a, it's okay. He's just exercising his new autonomy because that's what he's doing. This is like Elise said, this is foreign to him. I would believe like Mm -hmm. this is foreign. He's, he's used to taking in what mom and dad said and wanting to do them and wanting to please them and all of that stuff. And so he's using a muscle he hasn't really used before. And this is going to take time. So the more patience and understanding, of course, with boundary setting. Okay. It's not to say that you can just be like, all right, we're having this conversation again. Every minute we're having this conversation again. Right. But try and come at it from a place of curiosity. Yeah. What are his hesitations? What, what, what is he really saying here? Like the more curious you can be about what's going on, I think the better. And if it turns out that there really isn't anything there and y'all are on the same page and there's no hesitation, that's when you have the boundary talk. And that's when you start talking about your new family of origin and how he's graduated from his other one and he's got to get it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I don't even know if I have anything to add, honestly, because I feel like we hit the nail on the head. Yeah, we really, I, I'm not as hard. I, this is, I think, one of the first times where I'm like, well, fuck him. You know, <laughs> you normally, I think I come to things with fire, but, you know, having the perspective of it is, it is, this transition period is tough. Yeah. It really is. And, I, you know, Andrew and I, man, it, we started dating when I was 24. Okay. I'd known him since I was 18. We were friends ish. And then I, we started dating when I was 24. We didn't get married till I was 29, right? Like we had so much time to figure this out. By the way, we moved from Texas to LA. So like during the middle of that, or, you know, whenever that was, like we had so much time for, and by the way, him bonding with my family. Ooh, I mean, that was, that was a thing too. Cause he'd been used to being prickly pear independent. Right. So it's like, you got to let him a new mommy in your life, you know, deal with it. Carol Rogers is not going to take no for an answer. <laughs> I mean, but we had time, we had space, we had so much grace yeah. with this. I can't, ima- I honestly can't imagine being like, okay, we date in college and now we're married and now we have to like deal with all this. Like, damn girl. There's time. I, and I feel like I'm like processing my own life through help. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like even, I mean, even now Carl and I are on Zillow every night, like, oh my gosh, what, you know, like, should we buy a house? But so many things are uncertain that it's like, Mm -hmm. there is no rush. You have time, you know, you have time to figure out what the new dynamic, like getting in-laws is a is a whirlwind. It's a thing. It's a thing. And by the way, you, I think there's also this expectation, at least I had this, like I, for some reason had it in my mind that when you get married, like the growth is done, like you figured it all out and then you're married. And then it's like, all right, next chapter. And it's like one, that's bullshit. But two, that's probably why I waited five years. Right. I wanted to get my ducks in a row. I wanted to really have a handle on our families of origin, how we're making this work, what we're doing. Like I wanted to feel very stable in this. Mm -hmm. That is not the only way nor the right way. You are totally allowed to get married first and figure it out as you go too. I mean, but the waiting game didn't change if we were going to get married or not. And by the way, if we got married at 24 or 25 instead of 29, 
I don't really know how much would change. You know, we, we'd still be on the same track of figuring this out. It probably still would have taken five years, even if we had gotten married on the, you know, the front end of that. So you guys are just starting this backwards from what I did, which is totally great. And I applaud you for that. And that is, takes courage to be like, I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I'm doing this like good for you. But yeah. that means you need to have some patience with how your marriage takes shape, takes form, because you didn't do a ton of the work beforehand, which is, again, it's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah. And I think to her question, like, how can I convince my husband to keep his parents out of our family decisions? Like, I don't know if that is ever a possibility because I know, <laughs> yeah. I know if Carl came to me and was like, uh, we're not talking to your parents about anything. I'd be like, uh, the book you say, like, you know, like I value their opinion and they're my parents and I want to know what they have to say because they're my parents and I respect what they, you know, so it's just kind of navigating those uncharted waters, you know, it's, it's going to be a combination of boundaries, which is, you know, probably sounds like when we have a conversation and we're on the same page and then you turn around and change your mind after one conversation with your mother, it makes me feel invalidated yeah. as your wife. Like, ouch, that's something he needs to hear. Yeah. But it's also you letter writer that, you know, ideally comes, you try and pivot to a place out of curiosity. Well, what did, what did she bring up? What did your dad bring up? What, what are, what sensations are you feeling right now after that conversation? What are you nervous about? Let's play this out mm -hmm. because it might just be again, him, you know, not really kind of being a baby deer not really knowing how to stand on his own and getting used to this and being like, Ooh, you know, this, this feels really uncomfortable that my parents don't agree with what I'm doing. It's like, Oh, Oh, welcome to the club. We have snacks. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> like, yeah, you're going to disappoint. You're going to disappoint your parents. You think mama Carol was cool with me moving to LA. Oh my God. That's so funny. Woo! But you know, MK came around. She came around because I wasn't going to take that guilt trip, which she didn't mean to dish out. But moms can't help themselves. I know. I know. She came around. She did. I love it. So boundaries, boundaries, boundaries help. I feel like we need to give her a name. I'm like. Help. Help. <laughs> help. That's her name. Yep. Boundaries, I think, mixed with some curiosity. Try not to be super reactive. Try to have some patience. Give your husband some grace. Give your marriage some grace. And by the way, give yourself some grace. Like, it's okay to change y'all's plans too, right? You're going to change your mind a million times. It's okay. And again, Jenna, thank you for perspectives, not directives. Yep. And I feel like this year, that's the, my freaking mantra is just being adaptable and flexible and going with the flow and being, I'm someone who, once I come up with a plan, it has to unravel in the way that I had planned for it, or I am in a state mm -hmm. of distress. And that's just, I think we're all learning that lesson this year. Mm -hmm. yeah. All the days out there who are like me. Oh <laughs> yeah. I was, yeah. I was like, I mean, I kind of live my life. <laughs> That's not a lesson I've learned. I'm more like triggering my husband left and right where I'm like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And he's like, I thought we had decided this. And I'm like, yeah, but like, can't we talk? I, I'm not done with this yet. It's fun to talk about other things. And he's like, no, be quiet. <laughs> so we get it. We get it. We get it. Um, well, help. 
I hope this makes you feel a little bit better. Um, and again, you know, if I think making sure that you guys are on the same page and moving forward is okay. And having these conversations doesn't mean that everything's going to unravel. And that's another thing. Processing doesn't mean it has to affect the end result. So don't be afraid to invite these conversations without thinking everything's over now. Right. I think that's my last piece of advice. Like sometimes having the conversation is necessary, even if it's going to have zero effect on the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. You're still going to do something. Y'all are still on the same page, but there's nothing wrong with just talking about it one more time. It's like double checking a test before you turn it in. You're probably not going to change any of the answers. It's just nice to have that confidence to go through it one more time. Especially if you're like me, I'm an external processor. So that's like literally how I, Oh, that's a good point too. So, you know, I think that a lot can come out of just like having those conversations that are like non judgmental and non, you know, assumptive and just like, is that even a word? Am I making up words today left and right? I mean, I hope so. I I love making up words. Language is just a suggestion. Okay. Like, think about it. We like every word was made up at some point. That's true. So why can't we just keep going in that tradition? I'm actually looking up if assumptive, assumptive. I like my biggest pet peeve is when someone says that's not a word. And I'm like, well, it is now. Okay. Okay. Well, it's my lucky day because assumptive. It is a word. word. (laughs) But you know what? It would have been a word regardless if Webster's dictionary said it was or not. I, I, I used to, oh, I'm not going to process it here. It's fine. It's just one of my bigger pet peeves. It's like, how pedantic do you sound right now? I'm sorry. It's not a word. It's like, I just said it. So therefore it, it is a word <laughs> and you, you got what my meaning was. So it did the trick. Uh, case closed. Case closed. There's Callie, the lawyer. The <laughs> <laughs> almost lawyer, man, what a gift to society that I did not pursue that half-baked dream of being a lawyer. I think you would have fucking crushed it. Oh, I think I would have been awful. I think I would have been miserable. I would have been awful. I mean, have y'all read my blogs? Have you read my book? I'm sure there's a million spelling errors in there. I'm sure my publisher was like, what is this? (laughs) I actually got a review that was like, the editing wasn't great. I was like, you know what? Shut up. (laughs) I was like, did you get, did you feel better when you read it? Okay. Then leave me alone. Again, I make up words. I, my whole day is Googling how to spell shit. You know what? Can't be all things. Okay. You cannot be all things. Circling back to my sparkle. Okay. Well, if you would like to process your own stuff, (laughs) your frustration with society's confinement in your world, I think you've found the right place because we are boundary pushers when it comes to society's expectations. So head on over to joinblush.com and use promo code BLUSHU for 25% off your first month of life coaching so that you can get the help that you've been looking for. I'm so glad this is over with. We have to. Okay, from here on out, if you don't write in with a name, we're giving one that does not involve an exclamation point because I feel like I've basically just been like, Jeb, do you remember that? When the other Bush brother ran for president and his slogan was like, Jeb, now I can't say his name without doing that. And it's, why did he do that to us? Why did anyone do that to us? Okay. We have too much fun on here. We really, I, I like, this is like the highlight help. of the freaking week. Help, help, help. Okay. So if you want help again, come hang out with us, blush you for 25% off your first month. And then if you want help yourself on the podcast, 
then write into blush you at joinblush.com. Remember, give us all the tea, give us the details, give us the context. If you write in and it's like, I don't know where this fits in into your life, then we're going to make so many poor assumptions and you're going to walk away being like, that isn't even what I wrote in about. So we need all the good stories so that we can give you the best tailored free advice of your life. Spill that tea. We need it. <laughs> yeah. In the words of Elise, spill that tea. Okay. Friends and fam, it's been fun and we will see you next time. Love you all. See you later. Bye.